0: Damn, son, where'd you mint this?
1: What's up, everyone? This is Pattern Recognition. I am Chuck Anderson, and this is episode eight of the show featuring Jen Stark. This one was so much fun, probably, I mean, really selfishly for me, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, um, much in part because I actually interviewed Jen 16 years ago, somewhere, we think it was around 2007, and uh, it was on a site called thebrilliance.com, um, which you may know, an early internet blog that I started way back when, and I was always really taken by Jen's work from the first time I ever saw it, probably on some Tumblr somewhere, and which we also get into, but... It was a lot of fun because I had a chance to kind of go back to some of those questions that we asked Jen in that original interview and ask her some of those questions all over again, ask her to guess what some of her answers might have been then, Um, talk a lot about her creative journey uh, over the years, her entry point to NFTs, starting with an insane first sale that she ever had of 150 ETH um, that came with a crazy bidding war and probably one of the most infamous sort of moments. I remember from those early 2021 kind of clubhouse days. So really fun to kind of relive that and retell that story and then put it into the context of everything um, she's done since. So yeah, this, this was, this was a blast. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Um, got some other really fun ones, uh, in the pipeline. Thanks for continuing to support the show. Thank you to Zora. Thank you to everybody else who has helped make this uh, a reality so far. Um, personally, I I just I love looking at the collection of of people we've interviewed so far. It's it's really just uh, inspiring, um, you know, for me to have these conversations at all, and and exciting to think about delivering them to you. Uh, Also, the show is now available on Spotify, Apple. I mean, I think there's like Amazon or whatever other pretty much everywhere you can get a podcast uh, and listen to it. The show should be available. So trying to make sure that it's both available to mint for free, of course, on Zora and then also able to be listened to on all platforms, no matter uh, what your interest level in minting an NFT might be. We want to make sure that people uh, really have a chance to, you know, listen to this wherever. So yeah, hope you'll uh, check any of the ones out that you've not listened to so far, if this is your first time listening. And thanks again to everybody for the support, uh, checking out the show, and hope you enjoy this conversation with Jen Stark. All right, Jen, Jen Stark, how are you?
0: Hello, I'm good. I'm so good. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah. Happy to be talking to you. A little background. I interviewed Jen. We think it was 2007. um, Could have been 2006, 2007, somewhere around that time on thebrilliance.com, which was the early internet site that I used to run um, with Benjamin Edgar and Virgil Abloh. And uh, we were really taken by your work. Like It was one of those things. I feel like we really prided ourselves on having an eye for people who were just doing things really differently, but also doing a good job at putting it on the internet. Like there was, there's all, obviously, you know, bazillion talented artists and and people doing things. But at that time there was also people who seemed to have a good grasp on how to showcase their work further on the internet. So I'm curious, like how you think back on (laughs) early 2000s, you know, like what was your, what was your experience? Like uh, the first time you started putting your work on the internet, what were your outlets for it compared to now, where there's just like truly endless number of them?
0: Yeah. It was so different back then. So 2007, um, was when I became a professional artist and around the same time, you know, all the blogs were you know showing all this awesome artwork and you we didn't really have social media back then like we do now so people were going to the different blogs like you guys's blog and like fecal face and like you know reddit just random like mostly very beautiful images and that's that's where people were getting their content so luckily somebody saw my work and they started passing it around on different blogs and it like it kind of went viral in two thousand and seven, which is.
1: Did you have a Tumblr moment? Is that like I feel like a lot of people had that. Like a lot of artists I know had like pre because Tumblr was. I mean, I think it doesn't get enough credit sometimes. Um,
0: You're right. Before, yeah.
1: Before before we had Facebook, which pretty quickly didn't sort of latch on for most people for their art, and it wasn't really until Instagram. I feel like Tumblr was was really it. You know, even though it was like yeah. kind of a a blog you know platform it really was the sort of first maybe not the first but really one of the most sort of primary image sort of consumption places mm-hmm. especially for just like eye candy and oh i like that who's this and then going down the rabbit hole
0: yeah you're you're spot on so that that time was like it was really interesting cuz that's where everybody would go for their art right, yeah. content news whatever Um, so yeah, my, that's, that's where I got a lot of eyes on my artwork and, you know, I had so much web traffic to my own website because of that, it crashed a couple of times. And Mm -hmm. um, always kind of
1: cool. Like I remember that happening (laughs) just a few times really early on and you have to go in and like up your...
0: Mm-hmm. You know
1: however, however much you know server power you had, you had to like pay a little more, and then all of a sudden it'd be back online. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah, it was it was a pretty interesting, fun time.
1: How important was, and I'm going to ask the is question, but was especially at the time a personal website? Because I, th- I think about this a lot as someone whose career started in almost 20 years ago now in 2004, like a personal site, and my site was so so pivotal to my career and to like feeling that, that I was utilizing the internet for what it was meant for, for someone like me, which is showcasing work. And especially again, at that time, I think it placed emphasis on those of us who didn't have another place to put it. There wasn't like a Behance or an Instagram or these you know places. So you really had to create your own source um did you build your own site like what was your very first website s- set up <laughs> you have like a friend hand code the HTML or
0: yeah I built it all with like HTML gifs um it was it was so weird and pieced together I'll show you like a I think it's called look wayback machine where you yeah can archive go, of course yeah yeah um but I made it my last year in college which was 2005 and it it had all these weird little gifs and these strange like tentacles. And it was almost like a tree. It was, it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for websites in the internet, I, I wouldn't have the career that I have. Like it's, it's been so awesome. It's been such an awesome tool. You've
1: met a lot of students over the years and younger people, of course, like as all of us who started then have progressed and either spoken at things or met, Mentored students, like gotten emails from people. I'm sure you get so many emails from people asking stuff, and you you respond to what you can. But you know, um, what is what's like a big difference you see now? Um, to like, do you feel that keeping like as far as like the personal website thing? I'm just I'm like really a, sort of fixated and obsessed with this concept because in 2023. Um, there's a part of me that feels like there should be a shift back to an emphasis on like, for me, it was always controlling the context and like the typography and the background color and the size of the images and the captions. I like the idea that I would be in control of those little nuances to sort of contextualize my work and present it in a way that was my own and wasn't just post on Instagram. And it looks how it looks all the time. And it's the same sort of sterile kind of thing that everybody else uses. Um, but I'm also not a web designer, so I don't really need like a fancy website and same with yours that's why I really appreciate your site. It looks like it could have been I mean truly like the site format currently Gen- Genstark.com is like a site that could have existed in 2005. It just does its job to showcase yeah. your work. but have you like w- how important is it for you now compared to Instagram like what would you tell? what would you say the most of your projects or work or visibility is coming through is you know, personal site versus, versus like social platforms?
0: Yeah. I mean, social platforms kind of change the game and I don't know, in some ways it's a bad thing because we're all like addicted to it and we're all kind of, you know, the new content creators are trying to go viral and trying to all kind of be the same. And it's, it's pretty weird, but, Yeah. er, I mean, early on, website was the most important thing. That was like how you showed your portfolio. And I think now it's it's a great way for me to show people my whole body of work because, you know, on social media, you can only scroll down so far. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's still a really important tool for artists, but... Yeah. You still do you
1: still check like uh you know like your ad, like your traffic and like sources where it came from somewhere like I used to be so obsessed with that I'd I would check my there was a site called reinvigorate.net and I don't know if you remember that, but it was kind of like what Google um like you know when you just put in the little code now and you can see all the referrals and all that kind of stuff. And I would just be so obsessed with finding out where people were finding me from. And I'm still yeah. curious about that. Like when I get a project now. I always just like to ask like, Hey, like, where did you find my work? Was it very organic? Did you just, have you just known about it for years and the right project came up? But um, now it just feels like we're just sort of presented with people's work on Instagram. Do you, do you enjoy that? Like, do you, like, how do you, I, I guess this is leading to my question of how you sort of discover art yourself now in the way that you might've been discovered back then. Do you let yourself just be presented with it? On Instagram, and like, wow, this really, (laughs) like, there's times where I'm like, wow, this really knows me well. And I'm going to follow that person. It was suggested. I love their work. And now I'm a fan.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, usually Instagram will suggest clothes to me, but (laughs) 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 too much shopping. Um, Yeah, I would, I would say, I don't know. Instagram, I I actually don't really dive too deep into like analytics. I'm just, I should, it it would probably be helpful. I like that you do. I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, it's usually it's through Instagram or like a friend will send me somebody else's social media and be like, look at this art. It's really cool. So Mm -hmm. yeah, usually just like friends of friends or going to a gallery and discovering. I was going to
1: say, is that pretty, is that a pretty regular Thing for you still like getting out to gallery shows and you find yourself discovering new work there or is it like you went to see a friend's work or someone you kind of already knew
0: yeah usually i mean i i should go to a lot more gallery shows in la because there's there's so many awesome galleries and museums but yeah i i try to get out and just see new work and discover new artists so it's still <laughs> still an organic thing
1: yeah i think i think like Instagram, I I think Instagram is probably the main one to talk about. Although Twitter, of course, obviously crystallized the conversation more, especially with like the NFTs and everything um, created, like really helped facilitate conversation in a way that um, Instagram kind of always felt like more of a one-way street, like post respond, post respond. And there's just kind of, there's no real conversation happening there. Um, So another thing I really like, sort of asking artists about and I've become really I wouldn't say obsessed with but very interested in I guess as a topic is like how comfortable are you talking about your work um sort of as like I'm I'm just I'm trying not to go like this linear oh so tell me how you started next 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 but just the use of the internet over the years is, is is such like a fascinating topic to me especially for artists and I know a lot of artists and designers who are not particularly comfortable, like promoting themselves, promoting their work, or they feel like it's exhausting or they're more introverted or just it, I don't know, it's uncomfortable for them to do. And other people who are like, nah, it's, I don't think about it. I just post and like, I don't care. I just kind of let it fly and, and whatever. Um, you, you seem really good at it to me. I don't know how much of like an effort it is or like, if it's something that is out of your comfort zone or you do anyways, but how sort of natural has that been for you over the years, especially maybe Twitter where you're leaning on words. And I guess maybe now with, with threads being a thing um, it's not just like picture and caption so much. Like, Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I guess early on, I, I embraced Instagram and all like the visual medias and I, I don't have a problem really putting myself out there. I'm kind of like, let's go. Like, Let's show it. I don't mind talking about my work. I've been doing it for so many years now. So it's, you know, it, it feels good to talk about it. And also Mm. like even public speaking, I love taking those opportunities because it kind of gets you out of your comfort zone. And, you know, the first time I public spoke about my work on a stage, I was like shaking.
1: I wanted to ask you, where was it? because I have a wild story for mine but I want to know where yours really? was and like how oh what, where were you in your career at that point maybe how um, old too
0: Probably like early 20s I don't remember the location but
1: Was it a con- like it is like an art design conference?
0: I think I mean typically it would be um colleges asking me to speak you know right. to their students mm-hmm. Um yeah so I would say I was maybe 23, 24. And the first few times that I did it, I was, my voice was a little bit shaky. I'm like, all right, yeah. push this. you'll yeah. do great. Um, and then the more you do it, it's kind of like riding a bike. You're just like, well, I, I'm, I'm the most educated person on myself. Like I can, right, yeah. I can talk about myself the best. So might as well just put it out there and tell people your story and, describe your artwork. So yeah.
1: Do you have a really buttoned up presentation like you come with and it's like, you've got this thing. And cause for me, when I, I don't have like a buttoned up presentation, it's more, I mean, it's, it's usually like pretty slideshowy when I, when I speak, but it's structured just enough to where like the thing that puts me at ease whenever I, whenever I've, as I've gotten, I think better over the years at it was just remembering, I've got these things behind me. I've got like, I already did all the yeah. hard part. Now just talk, like, just tell the stories. You don't have to rehearse. Like you did that yeah. already in structuring the flow and the order by putting these images in there. And, you know, some people do more like thematic talks. Some people want to do more of like a show and tell, like the story, story arc of the career. Um, is that more what you do or have you ever done more of like a specific themed talk? Like, all right, today I'm talking about, you know, blah, like yeah. whatever, whatever specific topic you really stay on that. Or is it like I started here and then,
0: Um, so it's, it's a little of both. A lot of the times, like if it's for a school or, you know, a school zoom or some colleges, I'll do the whole arc of my work where like, I start from the beginning where I tell them how like my grandfather was an artist and, you know, kind of go up through there. And then sometimes I'll do talks that are centered around like science, math and nature and talk about fractals and like, sacred mm. geometry and how that those shapes and equations in nature relate to my artwork. So yeah, it really depends on the school. Like that I would do for like an architecture or science school. Sure, so,
1: yeah. Tell me about your grandfather. What kind of artist was he?
0: He was a watercolor painter, photographer. Um, he was more of a hobby artist. So I, I grew up in Miami and um, third generation Miamian, so they, uh, you know, grew up in Miami as well. And he worked at the Miami Herald, which was, you know, the biggest newspaper in Miami. He was a reporter and a photographer. And then he would come home and just paint like watercolor scenes of, uh, birds and sailboats and mm-hmm. just nature, nature scenes. And he would invite me over to his house to do art classes with him since I was like five years old. So he kind of helped bring that that interest and inspiration out of me. And then my parents saw that I had, you know, I loved making art. So they, yeah. they put me into different like magnet art programs and the, the schools that I went in Miami.
1: What kind of stuff were you doing like early on as a kid? Was it like, were you pretty interested in things? Like, can you draw a pretty straight line to what you do now to the stuff that caught you as a kid? Cause mine is so like, (laughs) mine is so winding. Um, I, I think there's like an aesthetic I can always trace back, but I think like starting off, like I'm almost 40. So, so much drawing as a kid. And then obviously when you're introduced to a computer and then everything kind of changes from there. But, um, your work, like I think about two people, I think about a lot who I'm kind of envious of, honestly, in terms of uh, like stylistically and having something so distinct as you and Cody Hudson, um, who's here in Chicago, who I just feel like two people who come to mind right away, who have been so consistent over the, like, since I really discovered, um, you know, like Cody was someone who I discovered his work like before I got to like probably 2002, 2003. And and his work has been so remarkably consistent over the years, but it's just gotten better and more refined and more like complete and realized conceptually. Um, and I think the same about you, like, I, like the stuff you were doing really early on and what you're doing now to me is such a, a sort of linear trajectory, but it's just, it's expanded and it's gotten more interesting and like, you know, evolved and, and just lots of, and and refined and, and experimental, but still stays on this track, you know, the Jen Stark, like aesthetic. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, is it like, I I feel as someone who (laughs) like has embraced this idea of like being all over the place, there's something about that, that feels really nice to me. Um, is, do you ever, are you ever tempted to like stray from the path as it were like the, the, the gen path and be like, Oh, I'm sick of this look, (laughs) or I'm sick of this, Um, like, uh, or do you just find like a new medium or a new sort of route to take your ideas through? And it doesn't really... The style is almost secondary to the concept.
0: Yeah. I mean, luckily for me, I like... Early on, I kind of branched out to use a variety of mediums. And I kind of did that so I wouldn't get bored doing just one. Um, and that's awesome. Thank you. That, uh, that my, you know, the style, it is, it is pretty unique. Um, but, but yeah, like early on, I was really well known for my paper sculptures and they, they're so different. They're like, nobody had ever really seen anything like that before, you know, like two, you know, 2006, seven. So it was, yeah, I, I became really well known for that. And then I, Around like 2010 to 12, I kind of like expanded my mediums a little more to wood, Mm -hmm. metal, uh, mirrors, plexi, glass. Um, So I haven't, I kind of strayed away from the paper a little bit, but yeah, I think, I think the, the signature style kind of stays within it. Um, Oh, and And uh, like my past history with it, uh, it, I was thinking about my sister. She was a doctor um, studying at med school uh, early on when I was, you know, starting to find my own style Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: she would bring home these anatomy books. Then I would just like flip through them and look at all the, the weird dissections and different layers and colors. And it was almost like a topographical map. So those those weird moments in life where you know her her strange anatomy book inspired me to make mm. these.
1: I see that, yeah, that's yeah. These like
0: topographical paper cuts, and it just l- kind of helped lead me to where I am.
1: Was there a moment where I'm always curious about the again, like to use you and I mean, you know. Cody, right? Like you guys, yeah. you're yeah. Um, yeah,
0: we've we've been in a show together. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say. I know. I yeah, I was gonna say. I know. I've seen your, your some at some point. I know. I've seen you guys in the same you know spot. But um, i I'm curious with someone like you or him with like you know the, such a distinct look. Did you know it when you saw it? Like the first time. I mean, there must have been a sort of first time you tried this the paper cut or the first time you tried your sort of drippy sort of colorful, you know, aesthetic. And then maybe the first time you just sort of inserted the really harsh kind of black and white right next to the color, um, which is something I've, I've always loved and and tried in, in different ways in my work over the years to have that like really bright color, but the interruption with a gray or a black and white, just kind of cutting right through it. Um, but that seems like something that came later. Like what was the very first project that you were like, we're just cutting paper yeah. and putting it together and just happened to have a pack of like colorful <laughs> construction paper. Like, why yeah. did you try that first? And, and is there a body of uh, work pre what we know now as you that's like, Oh, that was like before you were a professional artist that you were sort of doing, are there, are there like the early works, like the paintings, the drawings that have nothing to do with your, your current practice or did you get into yes. that pretty? And So yeah. what are those? Were you like, I mean,
0: I, I started figuring out my current style in like college, so that was two thousand five. I decided in Miami,
1: right? You went to school in Miami.
0: I went to college in Baltimore. Oh, okay. Micah, Maryland Institute College of Art, and then I made one of the best decisions of my life. I decided to study abroad in the south of France. Oh, cool! I encourage all you know college kids to do that. It's just like. It's so eye-opening. I was like 20 years old. I turned 21 there. Um, I didn't know French. I lived with a French family and just got to watch them cook every night and Mm. ate dinner with them. And it was, it was so cool to just be immersed in a whole different culture. But that's when I started kind of dabbling with paper. Um, I like to, I like I like to tell this story where I I was like a struggling college student and I didn't you know I was on a budget um overseas the euro was very high I go to the art store and all the oil paints are like you know 10 dollars each for a tiny tube I'm like <laughs> oh damn I, I don't want to spend <laughs> a couple hundred bucks on art supplies let me yeah. let me see what I can do and um some you know sometimes I think having constraints helps us really be a thousand clear. percent think yeah. out of the box. So I saw a stack of construction paper for like one Euro. I'm like, all right, I there can do go. something with that. <laughs> so I bring it back to the studio and I just start cutting with my X-Acto knife and transforming this 2d object into something three-dimensional. And one of the first ones I did was a cone. Um, mm. it was like almost like a Russian doll. So sure. Cones- yeah nesting inside of each other and they all had a hole cut into it. So you could kind of see this dissection kind of topographical incision in it.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. Was that intentional? Were you already interested in the sort of sacred geometry, sort of concentric tunnel vision, like vibe? Was there already like a, and maybe this is getting to the root of, of like a sort of more cliche question of like, who was the inspiration, but was there a, was there a sort of Intention or purpose, uh, or, or like influence behind trying that aesthetically? Is, is there any sort of like, um, four person of this style or thing that sort of really had caught your eye at any point and left a mark, or was it purely it's okay if there's not? I feel like sometimes people are feel pressed to say some artist that they from the 40s that they discovered in some book, and they're you know, or maybe yeah. they just you just did it and it was like, oh, I love this, and there was no sort of precedent in your mind specifically, which is totally fine.
0: Yeah, I would say there were a few different inspirations and I didn't really start realizing I was really into sacred geometry until like a couple years later, but growing up in Miami, just having all the plants around you, like the lush, yeah. like fern, fractal ferns unfurling and all the different like South American and Central American cultures um, and their artwork and designs. Um, I think that really inspired me early on. And then a couple other artists, um, Andy, Andy Goldsworthy, who makes like artwork in nature. He doesn't bring anything with him, but a, a camera to document mm-hmm. it. And he'll just like, he'll collect all these different, um, Oh yeah. I'm, during yes, the fall. I,
1: yeah. I looked at, I, yeah. I, I'm a fascinating artist. Yeah. Like kind of yeah. arra- finds all the same color leaves and kind of, creates these radiating patterns around like a tree or like things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely recommend anybody go look his work up. Check it
0: out. It's, it's so simple and yeah. And also Tara Donovan who she kind of just takes these ordinary objects, like a styrofoam cup and just uh, starts gluing them together to make these like huge beehive, crazy sculptures. And Mm. those two artists, they're kind of, like inspired me early on, where they just took a certain medium that was very common and regular in people's everyday lives and just transformed it. yeah, so yeah. I love artists it, that do that.
1: It's interesting because you can kind of draw an aesthetic parallel from what you do to both of them. But it sounds almost more like the sort of core of that is resourcefulness. And obviously, yeah. in andy Andy Goldsworthy's case using what you've got, I mean, just showing up into, I'm going to go today and whatever's there is going to be my tools and my medium. And that's it. And if there's no green leaves that day, then there will be no green in the final photograph of the, of the work. And then it's very sort of fleeting and it's gone. And and then that's that. Um, obviously yours is a more like permanent thing, but I love the, I love the constraint topic. I think that that is so important to remember for artists or designers or entrepreneurs or anybody at all to remember that those guardrails are your friend. I always prefer someone like the worst thing is the sort of carte blanche, like whatever you want to do. Hey, we want to commission you for this thing. You know, I like, I I, just tell me it needs to be eight by 10. Like, just tell me it needs to be something. (laughs) If they're like, Oh, whatever size you want, it doesn't, it could be motion. It could not be, it could be a draw anything. Just do your thing. We don't want to restrain you. And I'm like, I need, I want you to, (laughs) I want you to tell me what not to do or just say no green or something. Yeah. Um I think every artist wants that to some degree. I think it's um and, and actually a question I want to ask you is like do you prefer self-initiated projects to client and brand projects or does the question sort of depend on the I mean obviously it's dependent on the um you know on the specific example but You know, I find just for me, like when I have a client, even if it's a small client, like a t-shirt or whatever, the budget's like nothing, but I'm excited to do it because it's like a band I love. Or if it's, I don't know, whatever, I feel a sense of uh, I'm drawn to uh, the idea of a finish line and a goal and doing it for someone else. Um, Whereas when I'm just like, all right, time to start a new body of work. I just freeze up a bit and it takes so much time. And i end up feeling like that sort of precious artist mentality. Like it's never quite right until one day it is. Um, and that's always very rewarding, but can also come with its own like treacherous sort of path. So you've done a lot of brand and client projects over the years. So what's more fulfilling for you or is, or is just, just kind of depend.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I love doing client projects. And I I do think constraints and like having certain rules are, are really good. I, I try to balance them both, but yeah, I, I definitely like having, you know, an end line, a goal a like deadline. It, it really puts more fire under me having, Mm -hmm. you know, someone that I'm, that I'm creating it for rather than just experimenting in the studio. But yeah. I, I try to do both.
1: Just to bring it back to the first thing I brought up when I, when we interviewed you way, way back when, which now I'm thinking is like, wow, that was 16 years ago. Um, And I think I maybe brought this up to you again, like last year over a text or something, but um, we said, and I think this was Ben's question, but he described your work as psychedelically precise. And you really, you seem to like that. You're like, wow, that's right on. I like psychedelic science or psychedelically precise um, and you talked about like how labor intensive the work is, and but also meditative, um, everything piece by piece, no laser cutters, just an exacto. Um, is that something that's evolves, right? I mean, you've or, like not everything is still done by hand, but a lot is or what's the what's like the balance of of analog to relying on like tooling and machinery to do some of the work and Is, do you have a preference or how meditative is it still as well?
0: Um, yeah, early on I was, I was doing everything by hand because I didn't know any other way. And I didn't, I couldn't pay to like have things laser cut or fabricated. So I'm like, okay, I'll just, Mm -hmm. I want to make this happen. I'll do it myself. I'll, you know, jigsaw this crazy shape out of wood or, um, hand cut this, huge paper sculpture. Um but yeah it was it was sort of out of that. Um and then moving to, to Los Angeles actually. I moved from Miami to LA in 2012. That kind of opened up a lot of doors with fabrication and sure, um, yeah. I w- I found some like really good laser cutters and um different like metal fabricators and glass and it's It's been really, really fun to experiment with all these different mediums it I think it like helps keep the artwork fresh and yeah, absolutely um yeah i I like both i I still do stuff by hand, but um using computers and different machines, I think it helps helps make your dreams a little bit bigger sometimes and sure, yeah I think that's cool.
1: Yeah. Do you uh, enjoy working on really large pieces or really small pieces more? Like, if you had to pick, would you be doing a giant mural or a huge sort of sculptural thing, or would you be doing like something really sort of delicate and like it's just you and you're sitting there with an exacto knife till two in the morning? Like, what's you know? Yeah. Does it might catch it? Does it depend what day I ask you that? That answer might
0: change. Mm-hmm. I would say big. I love doing big murals it's really fun to work with a team and you're just like out outside all day in the elements driving these like big boom lifts and scissor lifts. And that's, that's really fun to me. And I get to use my, my whole body when I'm painting. Yeah. Very
1: physical type of, what was the first big mural you did like that? And was it intimidating? Cause I feel like that's something I would love to do, but I've never done it. And I, I, I don't know. It's like, how do you start or know how to translate something? Maybe in your case, like the lines make it simple. You're sort of following like a, it's not like sort of textural as much as it is like kind of paint by number type of thing. I don't mean that like in a,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, know what I mean? That's how yeah. I describe it. Yeah. yeah. I start. With a pencil, and I kind of just dot the colors, and it's really a paint by number. And that's, yeah, it's really nice to just bring in the whole team. And it's, it's got to
1: be a wild, like satisfying feeling when you're done to like get off and step back. And yeah. This piece that yeah. The,
0: the first huge one I did, it was, it, they're all such, such learning experiences. Like I had to, luckily, I had a job already you know, before I became an artist where I I knew how to drive scissor lifts. Um, What was that
1: job? Why did you know how to, (laughs) that's so casual.
0: (laughs) Well, I worked on a construction site. Um, I, I, so I graduated college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life and my friends like, Hey, come to Philadelphia, work for anthropology and like as an art, uh, making like art scenes and stuff i'm like okay cool
1: Oh, cool i'm buying like not like at the register like come work in corporate like for like
0: well this is the thing i i bought my ticket to philly i flew up there and then i learned that i wasn't going to be doing models at an anthropology museum i was going to be working for the store anthropology so i (laughs)
1: That's what I thought you meant, actually. At first, yeah, so you funny. thought it was like some cool nature museum. I thought it was or something. a
0: museum. <laughs> <But> it, Whoops! <laughs> I was like twenty-two years old. Like, okay, I don't have, I don't have any other jobs. I'm just gonna fly to Philly. Um, so yeah, that I learned so much. Like in those, I think I was working there for a year and a half. The home base was Philly, but they would fly our team, which was like ten of us. It was mm. a like a small design company that did a lot of the new anthropology stores. So they would fly us for two weeks all over the US, all up and down California, like so many different states. And I got to see a lot of the US as an adult. Um, I got to live in hotels. I would Mm -hmm. like make these art walls in anthropology all day, work alongside construction workers, learn how to talk to construction workers as a woman, you know, mm. be like have presence and, um, learn how to drive scissor lifts. And it was, it was a big learning experience. So that's where I learned how to drive scissor lifts. Cool. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like jobs like that are the kinds of things where at the time you probably aren't thinking much of how it might play into your life later, but you look back and you're like, damn, I'm pretty grateful for that weird job I had for a minute yeah. there. Um, so, okay. So all this kind of, oh, by the way, I did want to mention one of your, one of my favorite, uh, this is probably cause I can go see it in 20 minutes if I want to drive over there, but you have a big mural at the fashion outlets, which is like a huge, um, outlet mall, like a gigantic outlet mall just outside of O'Hare, um, in Chicago here. And, I think in every entrance, maybe there's eight, I want to say. Cody actually has one there and there's a bunch of different artists who have these like huge murals that are... I think yours goes up the underside of an escalator. Is that right?
0: Yes. You
1: kind of walk like under it.
0: It's like a big dripping escalator kind of all underneath it. And I also have a big sculpture like 100 feet away from that one. There's this like triangular color gradient sculpture that's hanging in midair. Um, yeah, that, that project was awesome. That was 2012, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was a Miami based company, like the arts initiative and they chose, they chose a lot of Miami artists, which was cool. And then some Chicago. And a lot of my friends have art installations in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a cool mall.
1: I always like that one cuz like I've been there like 3 times ever but every time I go in I'm like kind of go walk around and just like look at art for a moment. Yeah, it's an unexpected like place but yeah, absolutely. Um okay, so take all this stuff and you know the internet and like the scale of the work and the um like the big, the small, like all the different things and I kind of want to fast forward a little bit and ask you when the first time that you were sort of introduced to nfts was and what you thought of it like who was your uh did you have like a was there like a like a guru for you someone who kind of was like hey you got to check this out or did you just find it organically um what was your first you know was it crypto was it nfts like what was the first intro for you
0: yeah my first intro was crypto so probably like 6 months before I learned about NFTs I like invested a little bit in Ethereum and Bitcoin and yeah. a friend was kind of teaching me about it and then early 2021 I started hearing the word NFT and I'm like what is that what yeah. the heck and then one of my collaborators uh David Lewandowski we've done a lot of animations yep. together and he was just like, have you heard of this? Like, we should we should be a part of this. It sounds really, really interesting. And I just jumped into Clubhouse and started <laughs> absorbing it like a sponge because, you know, there, there was no Wikipedia or, like, rule books for it. It was, like...
1: Clubhouse was that moment, that year and a half or so during COVID, two years maybe. Yeah especially that first year 2021 when it was like foundation was hosting those rooms every so often. And there'd be like, you know, Zora room or like different artists just popping up. And I mean, it was a real moment. I don't think can ever be quite replicated because we were all just boarded up in our houses (laughs) and like so starved for interaction. And it was mixed with this brand new shiny thing. Um, Kind of easy to forget how pivotal that that moment was obviously it sort of evolved into Twitter spaces, I guess, but um, yeah, I th- kind of same thing. So, so David, uh, who does incredible work, and people probably listening probably know um, his work, but um, was the what was the first NFT you did? What was the very first thing you ever decided um, to mint?
0: So, we decided to do um, an animation called Multiverse, and that we had we had created like a little portfolio of a bunch of animations together. And we thought that was the strongest and we wanted, you know, to launch with that one. It was kind of these, these like mandala shapes that were <clears throat> kind of infinitely flowing with my like crazy black and white colors and just mm-hmm. like rainbow colors. Um, and we had our friend make the music for it. And yeah, we dropped it in March, late March, 2021, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it was really cool because we still had Clubhouse, and while the auctions were happening, we were on Clubhouse. Like, wait, was
1: know. how was how many pieces was was this a? Was I, I think I remember this, but was it a was it one of one or was it like a bunch of pieces?
0: Yeah, so this was a one of one. um, and it was really cool just seeing, you know, friends hopping in the auction and, you yeah. know, you can see the whole history. And I remember going, so it was on foundation and it was a 24 hour auction. And I remember going to bed that night and it, it had reached like $10,000 for digital work at that point. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's yeah. insane. I've like, you know, never sold a digital work before. That's I'm
1: looking, by the way, I'm looking back on it. I, 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 have to say, I forgot how much it sold for and I know you'll get there, but Holy shit. <laughs> but, but yeah, looking at who bid on it is, it is cool. Cause like one of the very first bids was James Jean, uh, yeah. um, pretty early on kit, um, bid on it. Um, young Jake, uh, Mondo guys, Alexi. And then of course (laughs) things kind of, yeah. So continue, but I just took to to frame that up and wow. Yeah. This had completely escaped me. So,
0: yeah. So I go to bed and I'm like, Oh my God, $10,000. That's crazy. It went that high. (laughs) And I had a dream that night. Like this is real. I had a dream that, um, the price went over a hundred ETH, which at the time was like You know, ETH was almost four thousand dollars. So yeah, that was like a few hundred thousand. And I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, oh, why, Jen? Why why do you set these standards for yourself? Like you're gonna like, why did I dream that I'm just gonna get disappointed, you know? So I just forgot about it. And then
1: and you probably woke up and it was at like six ETH, five ETH, something like that. I'm looking at the time frame right now, and you started it at one ETH and then it was like 1.1 123 156 2.4 3, 4, 4. and then in the morning uh it's at like 10, 4.9 and so you're probably like at that point okay that's cool it's going to end yeah. up at like 7 I'm, maybe
0: <laughs> I'm stoked i mean yeah. we're, our minds are blown and then as you know the hours progress we two collectors got into a bidding war Jabulon and 3F music And at the time, you know, the final hour of the auction, we were all in Clubhouse and all the friends were all just like having an auction. I was
1: definitely in that room. A hundred percent. Like just having my mind blown. Like, yeah.
0: And the bidding just kept going up and kept going up. And we're all like, what? the fuck is happening this now is- this
1: is like right in the thick of covid are you and david like in the room together are you guys just doing this like separately or like Separate. are you just al- you're just alone right yeah Yeah.
0: well i'm in my studio with my assistant we're probably wearing you know COVID yeah masks. yeah yeah um and yeah the numbers just kept going up 50 75 100 we're it was
1: actually the the final jump. So, again, just to like frame this for anybody listening who didn't follow or is looking, but like it went 12.5 to 23, which is like at that point, I would just be like, Jesus, yeah. like this is nuts. Then it went to 33, and then at 37, 45, and then it just went like by 10s, so like 45, and then 3F two minutes later, 55, one minute later, 65, 3F 75, then three minutes later, 12, 12 p.m., 85. And then, and I'll let you finish the story. One minute later, the final bid comes in and I'm like, looking at yeah. this, I'm like, wow, like he really wanted this.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the final uh, yeah. 150 ETH, yeah.
1: which March 26, 2021 Yeah. Uh,
0: at the time was just shy of a half a million dollars, which is <laughs> when that happened, we were I don't, I don't know. I had never experienced anything like that. We were also in the clubhouse, like screaming and behind the scenes, actually Kit was really instrumental in like helping make all that happen mm. because she was texting me like, tweet this, tweet that. Like you need to, you know, get, get a little fire. And that was, that was kind of when I understood like the auction process and mm-hmm. you know, like thank you Jabulon for your bit of this and just just kind of like keeping things moving and um yeah Kit Kit was really awesome. She was almost coaching me like Yeah,
1: shout Kit out be. Kit. One of those like great artists but also I know like very instrumental in a lot of like artists early success and knowledge yeah. um you know with NFTs and and um you know, I don't know Kit very well at all, but I do know that, um, played a a pretty big part in, in artists sort of grasping this like current, the reality that everyone was sort of starting to digest as it was happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was instrumental in like that whole success. So Mm -hmm. love you Kit. She's, she's so smart and she makes her own artwork. Like her art is so beautiful and mind blowing. These like, fantasy dreamscapes and just 3D 3D modeling animation all sorts of stuff.
1: She, uh she's one of those people who, you know, to my very first sort of questions to you about discovery of others on the internet. Um truly like one of my favorite things to come out of um the advent of NFTs at all was exposure to so many artists that I just had never known before. Um so many different sort of styles and processes that I I was unaware of, or just wasn't sort of privy to, Um, you know, I just, it opened it up and it it sort of made so many artists come out of the woodwork and start talking and and pushing themselves in ways that had never happened. And, and yeah, Kit was one of those artists um, early on who was like, Oh, I, I just had never seen your work before. This is really cool. And and, um, so, yeah, I just, just to kind of like round that conversation out, I think um, that was a really exciting Time And and continues to be, but especially in 2021, I think there was just like all these artists that I hadn't either either hadn't heard from in a while, or I was really excited to see doing it. It just felt like everyone was just kind of like rushing to the front to, to figure it out. So
0: everybody kind of woke up and started just like everybody. Yeah. It It was fun.
1: it really uh, moved and masse, like people who had been, you know, like someone like myself or to even a further extent, Joshua Davis, who has been participating in, you know, internet art and internet culture for, you know, decades. Um, it was really wild to have something that felt like such a visceral and like tactile shift in our industry that suddenly just like, this is what the conversation is going to be. And it's been brought to the forefront and it's also being brought to, late night shows and the news and, you know, all the people stuff. And it just, it just became, you know, like having my parents ask me about stuff in like a more engaged way, yes. but not about like my work about like the market and what this stuff was, was just really wild because people were hearing about and having conversations around this stuff. So I noticed in your bio, um, you, uh, refer to yourself as an NFT artist. Um, was there a moment where you felt like there was like a distinct shift for you? Like what happened that you felt like, okay, I'm not just a fine artist anymore. I'm, uh, I'm also an, an FT artist. And like, why is it important to you to, to put that in there?
0: Yeah. Hmm. Good question. I don't
1: um, know where I saw this. Is that on your, oh yeah, it's actually on your um, pinned tweet. So this was January 21st, 2022. And it's yeah. just as a mixed media and NFT artist living in LA. And then there's a thread about your work. Um, yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I describe myself that way more on Twitter because that's more the crypto verse, but, totally. but yeah, I, it was such a pivotal moment in my career and, you know, all of our careers that I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm proud of it. And I want people to know that I'm, sure. I'm like a multifaceted artist. I make NFTs, I make sculptures, murals, I do brand collabs. Yeah. Um, so yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah, no, I think I, it's interesting because a lot of people, um, you know, like steer clear of calling themselves that so as to not sort yeah. of box themselves in or I think NFT artist is sort of like kind of as sort of I don't know, universally like a title to call yourself as like a visual artist. Like I've used that mm-hmm. but be- like a visual design. Like what does that mean? Like of course you are, unless you're a sound designer. Like of course you're a visual artist and um NFT artist sort of just alludes to the fact that you happen to, you know, work in and, and embrace NFTs sort of as a vehicle to 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 make your your work within. But it makes sense to sort of spell that out or push that forward on Twitter, maybe more so than Instagram. Cause frankly, yeah. like I still don't think NFTs translated to Instagram almost at all I mean even like oh, right. in a literal sense I was even a part of the initial beta group of artists there was I think 8 of yeah the yeah. we had that sort of like access to to link our wallets and and put our work on on Instagram and connect the NFT functionality and they've already it's already gone like it's yeah. not even there it's it's it was up for a year nice experiment and then I think they saw it as like oh it's not really serving us and we're, we're going to put our energy elsewhere. Um, but Twitter seems to still be kind of ground zero for that conversation. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense that you would keep that there. Um, okay. So you, okay. So you had this gigantic sale, crazy. You and David are just like, Oh my God, what just happened? Um, what do you do next? What's the next, like, what are the next moves for you with that? Um, because I feel like the feeling of having to follow something up, You know, having like, having like this hit single, (laughs) like now, now, now what do I do? Like what happens if the next sales 20 ETH, which would be amazing, but also like, you know, a fraction of what this one just sold for. Do I have to worry about that now? How, how bogged down did you get in the idea of like overthinking mechanics, market saturation, all these things?
0: Um, I was, I was concerned about it, but I didn't let it like paralyze me into not putting out more work. Mm -hmm. Um, also, like 2021, when I think back on it, it was, it was probably one of the craziest years of my life because I was, you know, dropping all these crazy, amazing NFT projects and, uh, concepting this show called Cascade Show, which I had in New York, which was like a six thousand square foot interactive, <clears throat> um, interactive immersive projection. Um, show that it was like a ticketed experience that had like yeah. a whole staff and a production team that built it out. And, like, uh, I was yeah.
1: very upset I couldn't go to that. I remember, like, you know, but it was, I don't think, um, when did it actually come out? I think it was pretty summer
0: 2021.
1: Yeah. It was like, unless you're in New York, you're not traveling out there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: So, at, so at the time that I was dropping NFTs, I was concepting the show. And I was just like on the phone for hours every day with my gallerist, like planning the show, Josh Liner. He, he was the one that like presented the opportunity. He's like, let's make this happen. I have some sponsors. So Mm. that was, it was an intense, amazing year. Like my brain grew a lot that year, (laughs) but yeah, the second NFT we dropped was, Um, it was called Mandala and we decided to do it on super rare. So we kind of wanted to bounce around a little and like feel out the different platforms and stuff. Um, and I think that one was like 30 ETH, which was around 90,000, which we were, you know, still thrilled about. Another
1: one with David. So we're all the motion ones with David.
0: Yeah, so the first okay. three that we dropped it was a collaboration with me and David Lewandowski.
1: You wouldn't be mad at me if I ever reached out to him to where I, I've always been like, man, that's the type of uh, collaborator that someone like you is just such a cool. I mean, it's just I know you guys are also also close friends, but it just it's so cool when like two artists who do just wildly different things make such great sense together. Like it just makes such so much sense yeah. for the for the two of you for to bring your work to life and not have you like, I don't know, trying to wedge animation in for like no reason. it's like, no, this really like makes sense. Sense.
0: Yeah. And and the first time that I collaborated with him was 2015. I would I was asked to do artwork for the MTV VMAs. Mm. And Miley Cyrus was the host that year. And about a month before that, I actually met or a couple months before that I met Miley Cyrus through Wayne coin and like he was showing her my work and, um, you know, she was a fan. And then a week later I get a text that's like my artwork on a billboard with her and MTV, like a Mm mock-up. And she's like, do you want to make art for the VMAs for me? And I'm like, (laughs) hell yeah. Yes. (laughs) Hard. Yes. And then at the same time, MTV was emailing me and, um, and it really helped having Miley as uh, a fan of my work because she helped push it a lot more. And yeah. I was able to do a like, stage design. I did this crazy wormhole slide design. We got it fabricated in Los Angeles that she slid down like a rainbow wormhole for her entrance. and And me and David, I think they gave me like a month <laughs> before the show, they're like, we want all these assets and I'm like, uh, okay. (laughs) And my friend, Eric Wareheim, he linked me with David and luckily David was
1: Eric, the one who introduced the two of you. Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah. I was like, do you know any amazing animators in LA? Yeah. So he linked us and then me and David got, got down to it and created a bunch of awesome assets that were kind of like the launching, Mm -hmm. launching pad into our whole portfolio yeah yeah
1: that's so that's so awesome I, I love that um i've i've had my work kind of you know brought to life by people who have that skill set and it's just always really cool and it's sort of like a um, you know, an honor to have someone with that skill set take your work and and like, you know, bring it to life in that way. And again, yeah. especially like when it makes so much sense. So um, in the way that you know you guys are doing. It. it's also the problem with saying, all right, let's fast forward and getting to this stuff. I missed things in like 2015 where you casually meet Miley Cyrus and do all this cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. No, I know I definitely remember that. Um so okay, so now like, you know. I think most artists and, and anybody working, you know, within NFTs and crypto can kind of relate to the, you know, you have that moment or like whatever your, you know, sale was that kind of felt like it kicked you off and okay. Now, like now we're going and now I got to keep this up. Like, um, and you had your, your big show. Uh, so yeah. Like what were some of the like other projects that, you know, did you, cause you, at one point, I think, you did a bigger collection, um, yes. with uh, foundation if I'm not mistaken, but was that yeah. kind of like the more first sort of fully thought out, like body of work as opposed to a, a, a one-off?
0: Yeah, that was the first kind of like group of works and it was, it was associated with cascade show. So we we're like, okay, let's, let's do an NFT project based off of these rooms. So we had this one room where these mandala shapes, these like pulsing colorful mandala shapes would kind of fall down the wall <clears throat> projected on the wall. And the, the room was scanning to figure out where people's bodies were with um, mm-hmm. lidars. So the projections would know where your body was and the shapes would come and magnetize to you and, there was musical elements and like physics when the shapes would bounce off each other, they would make these like marimba sounds and xylophone. So we decided to take the shapes from that room and translate it into an NFT project. And I think it was over the course of like four or five weeks, we were doing a drop every week. We would release like, uh, I forget how many, 10 or so or 12, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <And> <laughs> until at the very end, we had like around 60, okay. 60 NFTs. No. And that was, that was really exciting. It was also kind of exhausting to do an auction every week for like yeah yeah four or five weeks in a row. But yeah. And then after that, um, the collection I'm most proud of is the, the Vortex collection. Mm-hmm. So simultaneously dropping the NFTs, doing Cascade show. I was also chatting with um rich lord who is an, an amazing coder he's done a few drops on art blocks like Garden and Geo Runners. um so we were starting to concept a project for me to present to art blocks and hopefully mm-hmm. you know you have to go through this whole process of getting accepted and um getting on curated so it took us about i would say six months to develop it and it was based off of inspired by my earlier paper works, like the paper sculptures and the yeah. vortexes. So he, I was drawn to his work because he uses a lot of like sacred geometry and like Fibonacci sequence and mm-hmm. those like golden ratio. Um, It's like very evident in his coding. And I thought it would translate well and it, and it did. And I dropped it on, foundation or sorry on art too many platforms yeah on art blocks in December 2021 and yeah I I love art blocks to me they're kind of like the institutional
1: yeah
0: most museum standard of yeah
1: yeah definitely yeah no I remember that one too and I I think you Josh Davis it was it's it's been really fun to see again like artists that I followed for years um you know put bodies of workout like this where it finally felt like realizing like the digital side of the work um, and being able to like know that I'm seeing it in its final form, like on a computer where I'm sort of natively like already just looking at the work and that I'm not missing. Like, I think that's a big part of, and again, I think just the timing of with COVID just couldn't have been more perfect for that stuff. But there was a satisfaction in knowing that like you weren't looking at um, photos from a gallery show that you couldn't be at. Um, you know, like you're seeing the full thing, you're experiencing, watching it mint out, you're in the discord, you're on Twitter, like really participating. And, and like, and then when it's over, like that was it, you were a part of it. And I, I think that was, uh, a lot of the sort of excitement that, um, you know, is still there for sure. Um, but those, like those, those moments, I think were really particularly, um, exciting. And, uh, yeah, also something about realizing and completing a full body of work like that, um, you know, with, with an NFT compared to doing like a one-of-one where you're just hoping like just the one right person finds it. Um, and that feels similar to now with, uh, sort of feels like kind of the moment is like more open editions or like just, you know, larger for cheaper, for more people, which feels like a regression to the mean of probably how things would have been if it didn't go out the gate so crazy with like the giant people sale and then like port apes and things just accumulating value so quickly um it feels currently like the way it might have been if that all almost had never happened and artists were sort of gradually like getting these you know good sales but not like splashy headline grabbing type sales so um yeah but uh i guess so so um just to bring us up to speed now so we're just for context recording this um, July 19th here, 2023. Um, what have you been doing, you know, now, like, what are you up to at the moment? What has been kind of like the NFT, like vibe for you for the last, you know, in the last year, maybe, um, are you in the middle of working on anything else? Like, you know, I don't know. What's the, yeah.
0: I mean, lately I've been kind of, kind of laying a bit more low with NFTs, um, just doing more like brainstorming and you know, letting, letting the market and everything kind of like level out. Um, it's, it's such a strange volatile time. And, um, I'm, I'm trying to do like kind of like smaller projects where I'm dropping something with mintage. They're doing like, uh, physical, digital. I,
1: I saw something from maybe Seneca about that recently. Probably, Is yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Cool, yeah it's
0: cool. Nick, Nick Adler's company. Um, they they chose a lot of amazing artists to, to be a part of it. So I was, I was in the patches are really cool. So you get like this digital asset and a physical patch. Um, so yeah, I'm doing like smaller stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing too overwhelming, but with like good people.
1: There's something about, <laughs> I had a similar kind of thing, like, you know, um, I I had done the sort of like the one of ones and like just and it, the 2021, it was very exhausting. Like after a while, I was like, I'm kind of sick. Of like, I don't know, every time a new one of one, now here's the link. And then like, yeah. you know, a couple of days later, still available. <laughs> like, uh, you know, and then someone would bid or you talk to someone and you know, like, and I, I had good luck. I can't com- complain, but it was like taxing. And eventually I, I you know, kind of paused and, and worked on a much bigger body of work and completed that project with infinite pressure and made a book and all this kind of stuff you and I did a piece together and um, and then after that I felt really just I felt pretty burnt out um but I continued to take on nft projects when there was like a third party and I really enjoyed that. so like I did a thing with the Bulls I did a thing with like coinbase or GQ and it was like projects where it was like, hey we're gonna just basically commission you. <laughs> and then pay you. And then like you do this work and then it'll be part of this, or we're going to facilitate the sale and it will sell. And we know that cause we've got this, you know, audience and all that stuff. And then, you know, you'll get your cut. And it took this sort of onus off of me to be the salesperson for it too, which I don't mind doing, but there was something about that, that, you know, so I feel like I've seen some more of that, but yeah, same, same boat, kind of trying to figure out like with the landscape right now, you know, I don't know. What do I feel like doing it? I don't want to do it something that feels just like a drop in the ocean, I guess. Like yeah. another, like, here's another thing. Okay, cool. Like I just feel like it needs to be a part of something bigger and more complete thought, um, so to speak. So, and I get the sense that that's the case for a lot of artists, um, in the current, in the current climate for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, uh, what are you working on? Like right now, we got some brand stuff, coming up i know i know know you have something you can talk about but can't talk about which is cool so to whatever extent you want to chat about it so so
0: for the last year actually it's been more than a year but um i've been designing and planning this it's going to be a global shoe collection with a with a big shoe company um and that drops uh, august 15th worldwide, which is amazing. And we're starting with three, three different styles of shoes. And, um, I'm not saying the company's name yet. Cause it's, it comes out in a month, but they really let me have a lot of creative freedom. They kind of, which was awesome. Like I designed, you know, the whole entire shoe, the shoe box. Um,
1: Hopefully some guardrails, like <laughs> they didn't go Jen, Whatever you want to do.
0: (laughs) Well, of course, like I I go in the offices and I'm like, can I, can I like create my own like plastic foam sculpture textural? And they're like, "Mm, let's start with something a little simpler.
1: Here's your like basic canvas, like lace up. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah. But it's, yeah, there's a boot and then a black and white one and a colorful one. And it's all like very Jen Stark, you know, it's, Um, I'm super excited to wear them. And it's going to be a multi-season collaboration. So it'll every, every year we have two different seasons. So this drops in the summer, the next one drops around the holidays and it'll be about two years. So
1: amazing. Congrats. I'm excited. uh, This is just my selfish uh, interest question, but uh, because I don't know, I think people like this little peek behind the curtain, but did this project just come about one day randomly like an email you got an email from some agency or from the brand and they're like hey do you want to do this or was there like a greater sort of development of a relationship or was it just like one of those things that as sort of independent artists you just get this sort of christmas present in your inbox
0: Yeah um so it was a uh, landmark my friend Kevin Klein I I didn't know who he was but he just reached out to me. I mean, I know who he is now. We've been working together for almost two years on it, but yeah, he just kind of cold call emailed me and was like, Hey, I have this, this big shoe company wants to work with you. Um, are you down to, you know, talk? So I went to their headquarters and we had a convo and, and yeah, it, it felt right it was it's a shoe company that i've actually been wearing for years and before they reached out to me i had already bought like three more pairs cuz they're like they're super comfy they're like pretty pretty like signature just i love them mm. Well, and you so, know
1: yeah. this isn't like a commercial because you're not saying the name, so this isn't like a paid advertisement because we're it's very uh, low key on, and and yes, this I'm, is with. But I'm trying really um, hard not to say. No, then- by the time this comes out, uh, well, it still won't be uh, announced, but people can look forward to it in the following weeks. So, um, well, I want to wrap up with something kind of like maybe a fun little game here in a way, and I want to full circle back to the interview that we did together almost 16 years ago, and I want to ask you what you think you answered some of these questions and then I'll ask what your answers would be now. So we asked you, this is, I'd be surprised if you get this one, but I'll combine these two questions in one. So um, we said, if your work had a soundtrack, what songs would be on it? And then a few questions later um, we say favorite artists or tracks right now. So I'm going to just combine those questions. What do you think you said in 2007 to um, the question of, Um, If you work at a soundtrack, what would songs and also favorite artist or track right now?
0: Maybe I said like MGMT.
1: Mm -mm. (laughs) You went way more classic. You're not as much of a prisoner of the moment as you might think. Although uh, that would, yeah, you went way more classic, like, like, like a, like a top 10 all time song classic. for your so, for your answer to favorite artists, not the soundtrack question but favorite artists or tracks right now you gave like a like Miguel? a true all well, no 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 i'm talking like all time like rock and roll hall of fame level like kind of thing
0: oh i'm forgetting this i don't know
1: okay you said purple rain oh! <laughs> that's funny <laughs> and for your wow. if you work on a if you uh, for if you work on a soundtrack what songs would be on it you said psychedelic machine sounds <laughs> with oh. no with you said with evolving repetition little surprise noises no words i'm trying to get a friend of mine to make music for an animation i'm doing so oh yeah.
0: my god yeah.
1: that's <laughs> cool. no, fun blast in yeah. the past so if you had to answer that now though if your work had a soundtrack what songs would be on it
0: Psych- psychedelic machine sounds <laughs> all right fair enough <laughs> um i think it would be uh Kind of like I guess psychedelic sounds mixed with a little like, like almost like wind chimes, crystal bowls, mm. kind of like aura some meditation, sp- some spa
1: kind of vibe, but like yeah. also a little electronics in there. Okay. Exactly. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then uh, we can just keep favorite artist or track is Purple Rain. I feel like, I mean, whatever you say is probably not going to like be able to be better than that. No,
0: yeah, so.
1: it's a great um, karaoke song <laughs> <laughs> Um, What do you... Th- okay, so it's kind of funny we asked you this. We said, would you consider yourself to be a quote, big or well-known artist, which is kind of a funny question to ask somebody at all. But you yeah. said, oh no, a few people know me, but I still have a long way to go. I'm working hard. I think you've done a really good job. Yeah. Oh, um, Okay, uh we said, what is your favorite magazine? And I'm just curious because magazines were such a huge part of my life and early career. Um, so I don't know if I knew this one, but I'll give they did you did say the name and then it says because they just featured me coming soon. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> oh um ID or juxtapose.
1: No, nope. this is great radio this is sort of moments of quiet but I'll, I'll uh do you want any more guesses or i don't remember this magazine so i don't know this one tell me you said preen
0: oh okay
1: yeah i don't know I, i'm not sure that 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 one rings a bell they
0: probably don't exist anymore but it was a cool art magazine oh they do they exist there,
1: There was a magazine called Anthem. I don't know if you remember Anthem at the time, way back when, but that one was like just a mind blower for me. It was kind of like where I discovered like a lot of the artists and designers and stuff that I uh, would consider pretty fundamentally like influential to me. But yeah, those early magazine, early 2000s. Yeah. Like huge. Um, Okay. This is, this is some fun ones. We said palm trees or pine trees. I I think I know your answer on this one. Palm,
0: Miami girl.
1: You said, it's funny you say Miami girl, because you said palm trees, Miami, bro. (laughs) Okay. This will really place people in in the time. And also this is going to be pretty funny because if anybody listening to this is like 20 years old and they were four at the time, this question is going to be irrelevant, but we said regular cell phone or Blackberry. (laughs) Regular. You said the celly blue red and oh, wait. Yeah. You said the celly. Uh, There we go. Yeah. And then we said blue or red. I guess I kind of gave it to you already, but, uh,
0: well, I had a blue Nokia. So
1: he said, uh, the and they said blue, red, and yellow. These make all colors for me to cut. So, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> i trying to parse all the answer. The primaries. Yeah. All the primaries. All right. Taffy or chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. You said chocolate. I don't like getting junk stuck in my teeth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, this, is a f- this is a fun one. We said favorite travel destination. What do you think you said?
0: Dang. I don't know. Hawaii?
1: Pahia uh, Honda, a campsite in the Keys? Oh,
0: cute! Yeah. I was going on okay. back. Okay.
1: Yeah. What would you say now? Favorite travel destination? I'm assuming you're far more well-traveled uh, 16 years on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am. Um. Well, favorite, I would... I would like to go to like Indonesia. I've never been there.
1: Okay. What, what about places you have been that you'd say like were your favorite?
0: Ooh, maybe like Fiji or Bora Bora. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Same. I went to Bora Bora for my honeymoon. <laughs> I went way too young. I feel like uh, I didn't appreciate it to its full extent. I, we were going to go back at some point. So
0: yeah, so, it's pretty beautiful there.
1: Um. Okay. And I guess I'll... I have one more and then I'll kind of wrap up with the closing thoughts one, but um, we asked you any museums or galleries you would love to see your work shown in. So my question now is I'm curious what you think your answers were. And I'm also curious if you have, did that, was that fulfilled or are there some on on par with, with that? Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Museums. I don't know what I said. Probably a museum in New York.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this one's not as fun as like what you think you might've said for the music, but you said probably the Whitney, um, any mochas, the Guggenheim or Periton in, in Miami.
0: Oh, cool. Um,
1: so did any of those happen or have, have it some that maybe were like on that you would say are just as, as well?
0: Um, not yet, but I showed in the Smithsonian Museum, which was awesome.
1: That seems, seems pretty up there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, still working on the others, but we'll get there.
1: Nice. Um, this is funny too. <laughs> we said, had you ever heard about the brilliance before we contacted you? You said, No, but I'm glad to know you now. I think you are the whipped cream on an ice cream Sunday. Awesome site.
0: <laughs>
1: oh my god. What a dork. Uh and then uh yeah, and then you also we said any random closing thoughts. Anything is cool here. <laughs> I, you're not gonna be able to guess what you said. Uh but you, you did say, um, I will be having a champagne bubble bath soon in honor of Biggie Smalls. So, <laughs> so yeah, but, uh, yeah. So I guess I'll just, use this, uh, <laughs> I know, you know, I feel like, uh, I got to go back through the list of all the people we've interviewed uh, on here that I interviewed at some point and do that. Cause I haven't, you're the only person I've had like a full, like, wow, I'm like talking to this person again, years later. And it is kind of like a funny uh, little exercise, fun, yeah. fun game, slightly embarrassing, but also it's like, it's on the internet. And it's very like, it's very charming, I think. Um, so, and honestly, I will, I have to tell you um, so grateful that like we did this project back then, because I feel like these are really, Like to us, the brilliance is such a time capsule and I'm, I'm still kind of obsessed with the idea of archiving. I think that's why NFTs resonated with me and doing these interviews now. Um, one of the ones that meant the most to me was the ones the very first one we did with Virgil. And we asked him about his favorite brands. And this is probably like 2006 and he talks all about Louis Vuitton in it, you know, quite prescient, I would say. So it was pretty, pretty cool to have that and look back. And he would talk about like Jound and some of these other people that he ended up being like very close collaborators with. And we just, kept paying for the site to stay there. And so we go back sometimes and it's really cool to have, have these, um, cause I, I love to see like pretty much everyone we interviewed, I mean, like went on to, you know, do really amazing things and, and it's fun to be able to kind of like tie this together. So this was, I was really excited to rehash some of these <laughs> with you, but, um, yeah. So on that note, any, any, uh, random clothing, closing thoughts, anything is cool here, really, whatever you want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> About to go take a champagne bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me on. This was, this is awesome. Love bringing it back like 17 years later. That's yeah, crazy. So cool. I was just yeah. a little kid back then.
1: <laughs> Same. Um, any fun uh, plans for the weekend or anything going on?
0: Yeah, I'm actually I'm going to this thing called chokehole.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> this could go in so many directions.
0: Are we still recording? We <laughs> no, are
1: still recording. <laughs> Do I need to like beep any of this? No, no, okay.
0: I'm going to this thing called Chokehole, which is this it's like a queer wrestling um group that started in New Orleans and they're I saw them in New Orleans years ago and it's mind blowing. It's like the weirdest coolest sexiest <laughs> strangest wrestling you've ever seen in your life huh. um so that's on friday in la so i'm excited
1: nice to go to yeah okay i feel like the rest of the weekend is kind of mostly downhill or just pretty chill uh, beyond that so <laughs>
0: yeah yeah that's the highlight uh,
1: well there's probably a lot of other things i'd uh you know keep talking about and asking but uh you know i'm be mindful of the time here so thank you so much um always great to chat and um yeah we'll look forward to seeing the big shoe news when it when it comes out keep yeah. keep an eye on that uh so you know where to find jen and yeah thanks for joining me really appreciate it
0: thank you for having me
1: all right see you